All right. You want to just climb into this motherfucker? Yeah, who gives a shit? <laughs> Let's do it. All right. All right. It's, it's, it's cold now. It was hot the last time we were here. Yep. Uh, welcome back, friends. Sorry for a... Uh, I'd call it an old school delay between episodes. Like we used to be. Um, life's hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. we're, we're back. <laughs> yeah, life is a, a real cruel mistress, as they love to say. Um, but we will take this opportunity to say you can pay us on a Patreon. That's right. Um, and uh, by the time you hear this, we will have just shown Jess Franco's Bloody Moon to kick off our world tour takeover of Franco Films with Severin. Um, the next one, which will be um, on November 27th at the Music Box with Ramona Slick, will be a double feature of Practical Magic and Vampiros Lesbos, and Ramona is performing. It's going to be amazing. And then there will be another... Uh, uh, we'll call it a Franco event, probably in between that, that we will announce soon um, at another location in Chicago. Let's just say we hope you yeah. brought your appetite. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, you're completely frozen. <laughs> Let me, I'm here. What the hell? What are you doing over Everything's there? fucking off. The internet is so annoying. Okay. Will seems good for now. We'll see how far we make it in this episode. Again, let me take another moment to say that we do have a Patreon. You can give money to it. Will can upgrade his internet. Yes. I can. It would be sick. Our, I can get myself the therapy I need, and uh, <laughs> and you know. Well, yeah. So otherwise, in December. Um, we'll get that announced soon and on the website we'll be showing a 35mm print of Freddy Got Fingered alongside the new restoration of Lars von Trier's The Idiots maybe with special guests um, maybe yeah it's gonna be sick uh, but today we're back for more Franco uh, um, last time we left you with one of our probably favorites I would say collectively Sinfonia Erotica um and today we are going to kick off with a missing film. Um, this is a movie called The Gold Bug, which was an adaptation of the Edgar Allan Poe story. Um, it's annoying because throwers confirmed the negative was found in 2018, um, but nothing has happened with it. And according to Jess, it was a weird situation with the producer from the beginning. And so it was never really marketed or released properly. But in theory, someday we'll get that one. So we'll find out what that movie is. What do you, do you want to take a guess at what it could be? Because I know we probably have a lot of gold bug listeners on here looking for different uh, investment tips. Do you think that's <laughs> what it could have been? Yeah. Yeah. See it the much needed 80s update of Edgar Allan Poe's story into the world of investment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds intriguing. So what's um, the but, real... Oh yeah, and by the way, we should say, we are, we were starting with a, an unreleased film. This is a new... This is Franco 2.0, we should mention, mm-hmm. in that we're going to do less movies an episode because uh, our brains were spilling out the side of our heads and we were starting to yeah well you know we're now uh we're trying we're trying we're slimming this down 
before we take a, a little month break here, Franco files are going to continue because it's the only reason you've ever listened to this a podcast apparently now. So now we have to extend it and, <laughs> and, uh, and that's cool. Cause we're going to go do some stuff. And then also we got some surprises for you this month. Some might say some spooky surprises. <laughs> they might. They we're might trying say to, that. We're trying to play a ball. We're officially sponsored by uh, Fangoria. So yeah, we're getting. Yeah. We will have stickers made up that's that just say Oscar bait. This is not a horror podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and on the back it says "Get Oscar baited." Yes. Be great. Yes, yep. Oscar bait with your father. <laughs> no, Brock Oscar bait. The Siming Lang style. Am I right? right? That fucking sauna. <laughs> Good work. Yep. Um, all right. Well, now that we've got that out of the way, and one of those maybe spooky episodes will be uh, landing sometime soon. Yeah, maybe. Out, comes out, we'll be back on track. Um but yeah, so first up, as far as not lost films, or I guess not released yet films, uh, we have something with a couple titles that I think you might want to go through. Yeah, this boy, do we have a couple titles on this this puppy? <laughs> uh, let's see here. What are the good? I mean, obviously, we're not going to go through all the different versions. This is easily one of the most confusing, and also the, one of the most who needs this many versions of this movie. Uh, yeah, no surprise. I'm not a gigantic fan of this one, but it's interesting. And uh, we, it, I bet you are. <laughs> I was watching it being like, God fucking damn it. Like I know we'll love it. <laughs> yeah. It's, called, it's from 1980. It's called the cannibals. Uh, also known as Mondo cannibal cannibal world goddess of the barbarians, the cannibal goddess. My favorite, A Girl for the Cannibals. Um, <laughs> MC3, Blonde Goddess of the Cannibals. Uh, yeah, just a lot of similar variations of that. So eventually they called it Devil Hunter at one point. So spoiler. Uh, real as we'll get to another movie later with a similar title. <laughs> yeah, very similar. <clears throat> so, yep. but yeah, no, this is... Uh, Jess getting in on the cannibal fun, even though yep. this is like another movie we're going to talk about today. Jess jumping on a bandwagon almost early. I wouldn't say ahead of the time, but it he's he's definitely not like too late to the party. Yeah, because no, this it, is right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Deep River Savages Eaten Alive from Umberto Lindsay had come out. Right, man right. from the man from Deep River is nineteen seventy seven. Yeah, yeah, and that's Deep River Savages. Lots of titles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and let's see. Yeah, Deodato, of course, had done Last Cannibal World, I think, before this as well. Um, but yeah, it's not too late in the game. Um, and this this is like you know same setup as all those movies, but this one's kind of funny because it's about a dumb fucking dude whose uh, job takes him to this jungle setting in a foreign land. And he decides to take his wife and daughter with him. And so naturally the wife gets eaten and the daughter gets kidnapped. And then years later, he's like, y'all, 
who wants to go on an expedition to help me get my daughter back? <laughs> start I, movie, but, I, yeah. I started disassociating halfway through the movie and started imagining us doing this as a highs and low. And I was imagining doing this with jungle to jungle. <laughs> you know, I'm in. Oh. I had more fun literally Googling the French jungle to jungle, being like, oh, yeah, there was a French movie in this fucking movie. And then the movie kind of like just this movie is hard to for me, especially to really dive into because it is one of those patchwork movies and it just feels like a, a cash grab. Wrong. <laughs> and uh it is, it is by definition a cash grab that is true <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what it is but our boy one to rarely waste an opportunity makes this shit fucking nuts i think um i think it's pretty great honestly i really i fucking dig this movie i think it's fun and lena lena is playing candy coster but has black hair yeah. this time Right. Instead of the blonde. Um, I mean, yeah, it's cool. It doesn't make any sense. There are time jumps, like massive time jumps with no explanation. Um, <laughs> I mean, that is like a big problem for a lot of people I saw online. But I, I don't know. That was where I was like, all right. Because yeah, cool. the movie has a disassociative quality that I think like um, he's going to nail with his other cannibal movie. Yeah. He definitely he definitely gets better at this. Yeah, right. I mean, I would caution against maybe going too early into this one, but I do think like listen, I'm just things on a real I'm on a jeweler's eye scale now that I'm officially like well Franco scholar. So like <laughs> I'm I'm kicking the criticism up a notch and I will say it's not a bad time if you like Jess and you like these kinds of movies, but I just think yeah, like, if, you like, uh, uh, if you like fucking DMT gore scenes, then you're, you'll be hanging out with me. What is on the end of your fork over there? Banana bread. Ugh. It looks like broccoli. <laughs> nope. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, famously, the cannibal subgenre is the kind of the home team for the people we love to make fun of, the stinky black shirt wearing dudes that uh we love when you come to our shows <laughs> but for the uh but for comedy's sake you know this is it's a subgenre that is kind of predicated on just like isn't that fucking crazy and gore and obviously like this is this is the same year as cannibal holocaust yeah um and also the same year as uh a movie i truly love um Lucio Fulci's zombie or zombie flesh eaters. So weirdly, those movies were being edited in the same stalls right next to each other. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so this is like, there's definitely this kind of like uh, island gore thing happening a bit more. And, but I think like, as you know, Thrower has also pointed out, like this does seem to be more in line with sort of those, um well it's only a couple years before this but stuff that was being made in 77 78 like D'Amato's Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals you have the man from Deep River where they're not super gore focused i would say no and they're they're um i mean you know i'm a i'm a defender and attempting 
to reclaim cannibal movies always because I think there's a lot to them that gets ruined by those edge lords you mentioned. Oh, um, I agree. I, this, I, yeah, yeah. This this one I think certainly you know not top of the heap by any stretch, but I think if you're into that sort of stuff, you'll be surprised how interesting it is, even if it doesn't succeed. Yeah. You know. All right, let's move on. Next up, let's fucking cook. This is Will's favorite movie ever, probably. One that <laughs> one that I saw maybe too early in my Franco journey, and it just kind of alienated me. And I was like, hmm, well, we'll come back to this one one day. I mean, now I, I, I okay, I will say this. I don't, I still don't love this movie, but I sure like it a lot more. Because there is nothing quite like this movie. <laughs> Um, like, not just in Franco's movies, but in movies at large. <laughs> yeah. And thankfully, there's not a whole lot of titles for this, which is funny that this was just, they were like, you know what? We don't need to come up with 15 more titles. This is perfect. And it is called Sex is Crazy. Now, most of our listeners are listening and probably saying that's true. Sex is crazy. It's a silly thing that we do to pass five minutes in the day, if that, luckily. Maybe two. <laughs> Your poor partner. <laughs> well, I just like to get in, get out. You know, I have online betting to do. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm worried. file, so we got to get back to it. Yeah, I'm putting my. Well, this is not uncancelable. This is just how I make love. Like, I have things to do. I got puzzles to put together. <laughs> but really, sex is crazy, and it gets pretty crazy in this movie. And this is a, we've talked about it a bit before, but by his own words, one of Jess's favorite filmmakers in history, Jean-Luc Godard. Um, we've gone into it a little bit before, but this to me is the most, uh, the most uh, overt that he ever Godarded <laughs> uh, up to this point, even starting with the some text on screen at the beginning but it's nonstop in this, the Godard stuff. Um, there's a direct contempt joke about a producer forcing nudity um, that comes straight out of the Bridget Bardot scene in contempt. <laughs> but yeah. hey, it's, it's, it's even funnier because Franco also doesn't let it die. He lets it keep fucking going, coming back throughout this movie. Um, yeah, you yeah, this is full on insane uh, self-awareness mode. Just about everything they've all done and everything they all do um, tied into a, a loose story about some aliens who came to Earth uh, to uh, have babies really fast in uh, nine nine minutes. Is it nine minutes or seven minutes? Yeah. And again, that seems like an eternity. But yes. Yeah. Well, no, that's 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 uh, including the sex, the pregnancy and the birth in this universe oh um, yeah th that's my kind of speed then yeah 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 but this is a i don't know this movie's kind of magic because it's really fucking stupid and funny to see them rib each other and laugh about the kind of movies they make but then also not miss the opportunity to throw in some fucking killer sequences that truly flex you know the jess skills uh when i was re-watching it this time it was funny especially when we get to the third act um when we kind of come back around 
how much I was thinking of, obviously it's not the same, but visually and the pacing, because this movie is also a lot slower than you expect, word of the wise to new viewers. Mm, it's like it's going to be a rapid fire affair, but it's pacing made me think of shit like uh, Peter Jolkin and a little bit. I know this is stupid, but a little bit about one because of how much they're goofing around and acting and the way they look towards towards things. Um, obviously, it's not similar to that at all. It just made me think of it in style. No, no, no. Um, I, I think we should call this bonehead out one and bonehead yeah, yeah. good guardian, which is not an insult. Like, you know, those frogs were on another level. Like we can't we can't even begin to imagine where their minds would go. And but yeah. this is. This is a different filmmaker altogether, not saying that they yeah. are without the same sense of like experimentalism and play, but obviously that experimentalism looks um, more refined, one could say, in in France, whereas this is, well, as a thrower says, frivolous experimentalism, which is a great way to put it because it does seem dashed off, but with a Maybe it's more boneheaded, but there's a gleefulness with it that is yeah. kind of infectious. And I do wish the movie had better pacing because if this movie with its spirit just clicked along like some of Franco's best well-oiled machines, this would be like one of the greatest things in his entire filmography because yeah. it is uh, it is a cinematic game that he's kind of playing with uh, – off screen and on screen and I, I frivolous in the sense that I wish that it drilled in on this more because it is no pun a movie pregnant with ideas. And, and I think it, and it also like it, it edges. This is an edging movie because it edges on brilliance so many times throughout it. In my opinion, it does tip over in the last 15 minutes, I would say, That's, into brilliance. But it does I agree. Uh, meet here and there along yeah. the way. When you um, get to the last yeah, just so 15, 20 ideas. minutes, yeah, it's really, then you're like, <laughs> all right. But oh, it's, it's beautiful. Some of, some of some of my favorite. I like visually. when they're feeding each other ice cream and the four people are just giving each other ice cream bites at the table. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, no, I, this is a hard movie to really describe. I think it's like one that I think people, this is definitely not push it off. Like if you've gotten a few under your belt and you're really vibing with this journey, I think this one could, you could put it on, but there's, there's a lot of surprises along the way that is very fun. This is one of the more, just like John said at the start, the more you do go through Franco and then revisit this one, the better it gets. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, if you if you want if you want pinky finger in the air, Jess, and I'm just saying that pinky finger is not too high. It's curved. Well, it's in someone's butt usually too. Yeah, so. yeah, he's delivering the shocker. If that's what you want, that's what this movie is. And uh, yeah, so let's move on. Let's move on to something that I now this is my kind of a fucking Franco movie here. We have. Aberration Sexual de Una Mujer Casada, otherwise known as Sexual Aberrations of a Married Woman, or known on Blu-ray as Cecilia. Which today we are talking about Franco's original cut, Sexual Aberrations of a Housewife. Um, if you have the 
Blue Underground Blu-ray, it is on there. You have to go to Special Features, but it is on there. And then we're going to talk about the Cecilia recut on the Patreon. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is a, this is a tough one. Um, if if you're not, you know, dialed into the kind of uh, perversions that Franco and his team are interested in, I would say. Uh, on paper, you know, it's the kind of thing that I think turns off people before they watch it. Um, so if you don't like sexual aberrants, obviously aberrations literally in the title. So that's It'll not your kind you. of jam. Gives you, know. you a nice warning what you might be in store for. Um, yes. yes. But because it's, it's, it starts tough. It starts tough. It's about a woman, um, like an aristocrat of sorts, uh, who lives in this insane, God damn this location, this insane, location. Uh, beautiful... Beautiful old mansion. Uh, Name is Emmanuel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, she is bored. Her and her husband don't have sex. All this stuff, yada yada. Uh, she ends up getting um, picked up by one of the dudes who work for them, and he takes him back to uh, their house, where uh, two of his brothers and a cousin who got fired. Uh, for peeping on her, for watching her undress, which they say that she was, you know, loved to tease them and tantalize them and all that stuff. And so the group of them um, rape her. And it's one of those, you know, like we said, we're in uh, aberration territory. Um, it's a rape. Kind of yeah, it's a rape scene, but it's also like not that intense. And yeah, it's not, I have a it's theory not a, on this, but go ahead. I just want to say it, like in case you check out at that. Although if you're listening to this and you check out at that, I mean, what? How did yeah, you make it this far? Been here before. Yeah. yeah, we've been here. Um, but basically, what happens? So that sequence happens, um, kind of a straw dog style. At some point during that sequence, you know, things switch for her, and she's into it, and it kind of reawakens uh, her libido. And reminds her that she wishes she was having a lot more sex. So her and her husband decide to open things up in their marriage um, to see if they can rekindle the flame. Yes. And it does seem like Jess is being a little callous with this opening. I mean, I do think that this is a film about being amoral or attempting to be amoral in what one perceives as an amoral world. And the opening is surprisingly less intense than you might assume. I, I think one could make the case with this that it's a, that it could be presented as a fantasy sequence in many ways because a second occurrence of this happens later in the movie and it's the complete flip of that. Yep. Where it is not this thing that in evokes something in this person it it evokes horror and terror and sadness like it would in the normal real world yeah. but and i like, agree with you i very much think yeah. that is the case here um yeah i mean yeah. whether you like his approach to it or not hey that's spain in the 1980s but i think that there's you could draw the line between this and a movie that we all accepted well most people accepted in this country which was uh paul verhoven's l I yep. think. And also to go back further, if you fuck with something like Belle de Jour, we're doing the same kind of thing here. 
um, which was about a woman trapped in her own skull because, you know, the world is uninteresting, people around her are uninteresting, the world is cruel, you know, that kind of thing. And so we're inside her head. I think for all, in my opinion, I agree with you, the entirety of this movie until probably we get to the second instance of this when it really causes damage. Right. And even then that scene, who knows? Mm-hmm. Like, I do think yep. that there's a, there's a, there's a game he's playing here with uh, imagined and reality, which is further evidenced and backed up by what he literally just did with the previous movie which is taking you in and out of a movie back in out so i do think i think you're correct i think belle de jure is the way to uh, align this movie because it's like obviously he worked with its screenwriter many times they were friends he really loved Boonwell an awful lot as a filmmaker so i do that's that's how i would see this movie and also i think there's kind of a i'm sure he wasn't watching it but there's a little of an eyes wide shut thing a little mm-hmm. yep. you know like it's uh yeah i, I mean <laughs> what he said except this is way better than eyes wide shut so the fuck kind of shot dude it is too early to be saying crazy <laughs> shit right now what do you mean no i love i love, I love eyes wide shut i'm just fucking with you and you don't know and you don't even say it like that you're not like oh no i like eyes wide shut you know it's not the expendables okay eyes wide shut all right you know what this is a we'll get into our feeling on the exorcist series and boy unless will has changed his tune which i'm sure he has when he's group you know shopped this theory around oh boy you thought the eyes wide shut comment was bad christ no we're gonna we're gonna but all right we'll stay on track i want to read a quote while we talk about this yeah it's technically in reference to the time they were making a movie we're going to talk about in a bit, but it applies, I think, to the whole day here. Franco says, this is a great quote from him. He says, I am completely amoral. I am proud not to follow the fake morality, which is based on old reasons, which have no reasons to persist. Um, And even though I don't actually think that's true, I definitely think Franco is not amoral because he's too soft. Um, (laughs) And and no. we've seen it. His Dassault adaptations would be a lot more intense if he <laughs> were truly, you know, amoral. But I don't I don't think he is. But I do think he hates the idea that there are rules that old fucks decided a long time ago that we'd all just agree with. And I think that's the important thing here and why he likes to explore uh stuff and like he, this. That you're, yeah, he likes harmony and dissonance. He's he's very much swimming in this kind of like attitude blossoming in the 1980s i mean you know punk the the sorry to some of our dead kennedy shirt wearing people but the idea of punk died pretty quickly as a as a concept and thankfully it was picked up by a much smarter group of people who i guess we call it post-punk or whatever you want to call it but there's definitely an attitude of like amoralness floating around i mean you see it pop up in music you see it pop up in movies books of the time art of the time i think he's very much in line with what's going on right now and he's choosing to use things that do seem kind of confrontational or like um 
yeah i don't know hard noisier like less uh less safe to 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 play around with at this time and i think this is truly one of his one of my favorites i like this movie oh, it's, it's fucking, fucking incredible it's a lot of his obsessions uh done incredibly well something we'll talk about a lot today uh the idea of animalistic pleasure um that he's obsessed with you know the idea that whether you want to or not as we said sex is crazy sex rules the the fucking lizard brains of all of us um you know some people can control it more than others but at the end of the day there's an animalistic aspect to it and sometimes that gets the best of you and i think this movie's about that a lot absolutely and it's there's a pervasive loneliness to this movie that's oh. just kind of sad it's 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 a sad movie because everything that happens like there's horrendous stuff but it whether it's real or not there's this pervasive loneliness like this character just being completely abandoned within uh, a marriage which is a very sad thought and obviously he was coming off of a marriage ending and there's even lines that could be reference to either Nicole or Lena at the beginning where he's like, Oh, I left my wife for you. And she was like, I left my husband for you. And yeah. yeah. And like, it seems that the sexual flame has just burnt out, which is sad because it's only a couple of years. And it's like, I guess that's maybe a comment on marriage within the bourgeoisie or whatever, but yeah, this woman had definitely wanted something. And I think it's evidence at the beginning with her getting off a yacht, which we don't really see much of, but we know that she lives this lifestyle and clearly has to get kicks by like uh, undressing for the servants in this manner, which is a little shitty in that it gets them fired. But clearly this is someone who is having their mind kind of rotted by not having sex within their marriage. And it just really comes through uh, in a way that I think a lot of movies that attempt this don't really have the, the real world backing to sell it. Because I believe Franco has probably dealt with this at some point and it registers as like genuine. Yep. And it, there's, oh, there are so many moments in this film. Again, the the, the set, the, the mansion they're shooting in is just so gorgeous. But the way Franco shoots it, especially in sequences where uh, our main character, Emmanuel, <laughs> sort of back there, um, not Cecilia, but <laughs> Emmanuel, um, yeah, where she is just doing things like standing in a doorway, watching someone who works there do something or watching her husband do something. And it is achingly lonely yeah um the the performance is incredible um but yeah it's a really just a sad thing um i think about you know the, it's the classic shit just you get every everything you want in theory but all you really want loves you and is into you and wants to be intimate with you like sexual or otherwise yeah and this is someone who's been stripped of all of that completely so looks for it elsewhere it leads to some um incredible sequences i think one of my favorite orgy-ish sequences in all of his films um especially lena's performance here and i won't even spoil it but lena's appearance in this film and the incest angle that we get in this orgy sequence is one of the most bold <laughs> so far i think bold. 
And it's amazing. And that whole scene, the way it's shot, the music, the acting, it's fucking beautiful. Everyone firing on all cylinders. Sound design in this film is incredible. Um, yeah, this is definitely veering towards Bummer Jess side, but um, a really lovely, really lovely film, I think. Yeah. Well, let's just keep the Bummer vibes going in Jess yeah. world. We have arrived at our next film, which you may think you've heard this title before and you have it is called <laughs> it's just eugenie's story of a perversion which we talked about well, right yeah <laughs> this is uh it, it was also known as lolita at the crossroads uh how i have seen it wicked memoirs of eugenie desaad 2000 and lolita priestess of love well, yeah, this is the same story <laughs> that we saw earlier. One of our very favorite Jess films from 1968. This is um, really combining a lot of the elements of these Desaad movies that we've seen at this point. And like, it's you've got your perverse countess, you've got your how to seduce a virgin, you've obviously got Eugenie. And yeah, I mean, clearly the guy loves this story and he wants to keep exploring it. And yeah, it's most of this movie is set at this very strange house that we've seen multiple times. We saw it all the way back and she killed an ecstasy and perverse countess. So yeah, I guess now the question is how do we differentiate between this version and the original version? easily i would say yes very easily because they're as soon very as different play, as soon as you hit play you will go oh yep um so the way this film starts uh is with uh some sand sculptures some graphic sand sculptures of naked women um that were made on a very real very open beach that people were very excited to see who were stopping by as they were filming um and yeah, so it's this strange, strange kind of languid opening on these uh, sand castle structures with the credits and some great music. And then we hard cut out of nowhere to uh, Lena Romay or Candy Coster, I should say, um, playing. Um, oh, what's her fucking name? The name is so good. Sultana. So she's a character called Sultana. And she's a, yeah, she's Sultana the dog woman. So we cut to Lena on a leash, uh, naked, of course, but barking and <laughs> pawing at things because she plays a dog and sticks to it for this movie. So she is the uh, dog servant of the brother and sister. And Let's just say whatever mental decline was going on with her character and how to seduce a virgin, it has reached its zenith. She is no longer just making weird squawks. Now she's yeah. full on dog. And, and she is revealed at one point she was bought at a slave market by our titular, uh, very Dasadian characters in many ways in this one. <laughs> yeah, and carried the name from a movie that never got filmed. Yeah. She's a Princess Irina von Karlstein, which <laughs> on one of our previous episodes, we talked about this movie that she was going to play that character, probably a vampire. I don't know. But yes, no, she is a, a pr 
she uh is definitely a dog woman i guess that's really all i'd say and she's got that uh she's got the sex is crazy wig on yep looks kind of like a weird like rick james vibe thing <laughs> oh no it's kind of true yeah so yeah, it's a weird looking wig and believe me, her performance doesn't get any more normal. But yeah, <laughs> it's so fu- it's just so fucking sick at this point in this journey that that's a character they decided to do. It's awesome. And you can tell Lena's living for it. So it's, it's really- <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever got the rocks off is what I say, because, uh, yeah, no, this is this hits all the really the, the kind of the same points. It's just done in a very different style. I think it's really a matter of style, this movie. And, and it's uh, stunning. It's like one of the, like, uh, it's the exact opposite of how I cook. I'm very impatient. I cook everything at extreme high heat. This movie starts out at high heat and then immediately is turned down to the lowest simmer possible. And we sit there for a long time. This is why you're never stop simmering. This is why your banana bread looks like broccoli. <laughs> oh but yeah no this is a this shit never stops like it continues to cook the whole time but it's that it's that simmer and then the heat gets turned way back up yeah for a couple sequences here it's definitely has the feeling of probably taking way too many edibles on a beach and you it's just you forgot that you're there's a cookout that night and you're desperately looking for the pants you changed into your your swim trunks for and you're kind of panicked because you don't remember where you put them and you might have to sit in wet swim trunks throughout dinner it's imagine that but instead you were bought by slave traders and bought (laughs) by slave traders and you can't find (laughs) nightmare Um, Nightmare. yeah 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 this is a movie that i really would love a remaster of desperately i think this movie I, mean, we'll, um, I think we should talk about the elephant in the room because i think it's worth oh, yeah. talking about yeah i guess um, we should discuss why this cannot probably ever be remastered which is a real shame is, the way things have gone that doesn't seem the case anymore all right so i'll be quick i worked on like exactly how to say the mindset we are here in um we should be thinking something like blue lagoon and something like pretty baby um oh then it's uh, what's with, the Natasha Henstridge movie. Oh yeah, that, not that one. The that devil one, of, the, Oh, that's not well, yes, that's not a good thing. That's to the devil of no. love her daughter. That yeah. one's different. That's a very bad situation. Um Brooke Shields in Blue Lagoon and Pretty Baby. In Pretty Baby, she's 12. In Blue Lagoon, she's 14. Um, she has talked about it a lot. Um you know, um, saying that she is definitely in favor of the films being uh, continued to be released despite her age, the time, um, and that it's something should be talked about, but she doesn't want them out of circulation. Um, So in Spain, uh, the age of consent uh, then and still now is 14. Um, And basically what happened here, Katya Beinart, uh, who's astonishing, like fucking amazing in this movie, uh, she was 14 and she had started in the acting world and her mom was with her all the time, but thankfully not in like a horrific stage mom style thing. It was good. Um, But her mom and her like met with Franco and talked about 
this idea and like what they wanted to do and all of that. And her mom was with her throughout the whole time. And Thrower has interviewed her since and been like, how do you feel about it? You know, like this movie. And she's like, no, it was very, you know, nothing was weird. Wasn't asked to do anything. I didn't want to. My mom was there the whole time. Everything was above board. Um, And she says, She's very sad this movie can't be released, um, especially in uh, the UK, because they're very strict about those things with home video releases. Um, But she says she is sad it can't be released because she thinks it's one of Jess's favorite movies or Jess's best movies. And it was also one of his own favorites of his. Um, But yeah, so it's that interesting thing. Obviously, I understand if people don't want to watch any of those movies we're talking about, Pretty Baby, Blue Lagoon, this, whatever it may be, um, because of children being in films like these. Um, but it's an it's an interesting conversation. Um, and yeah, especially when someone is so outspoken that they want it out in the world. And, you know, it's relevant to right now with something like Romeo and Juliet and Olivia Hussey and What's His Butt um, now kind of going back to the court saying they were coerced when they were 15 yeah. to be in those movies um but anyway i don't know it's an interesting interesting uh i guess rock in a hard place kind of thing um but yeah this film this film's fucking incredible and i do wonder because pretty baby in the last year came out on blu-ray in australia and in the u.s and there didn't seem to be any problems there so maybe this one will as well yeah, there's no you're not seeing any penetration with her. It's nothing like no, that. absolutely. This there's is nothing. Uh, there's nothing like that. Um, yeah, I, I, I things like yeah, in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's above board. Um, whether you agree with age of consent laws in places like Spain or not, but um, or even shit like last one, but even something like you know, Fat Girl with Catherine Briot. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, this is an ongoing conversation in movie history um, that, you know, obviously some people feel intensely about in either direction. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll we're, we won't you know belabor this too much longer. We've been spent a lot of time on this movie, but I will say, like, uh, we do it. We're really calling out the powers that be to get a restoration of this movie. It's it looks beautiful, yeah. but it's going to look more beautiful uh, without the VHS bullshit um, behind yes. it. So, yeah. all right, moving on. We, we got to keep. We're trying to make these not an hour and fifty minutes like the last one. So we're yeah. I'm keeping Will on a tight leash today. So we're not going to really talk about the next one that I know he had probably had on his list. Cold as ice. Not really. Let me just real quick. Thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. So yeah, this is a German film. Uh, called Strike Back or Cold as Ice, Cult White Ice. Uh, it's made by Carl Skankel, who's an amazing filmmaker, out of order, if you haven't seen that. But why this is important, I won't get into it. I hadn't seen it before, but it was really good. Um, but the producer, Wolfgang Hartwig, um, reached out to Franco because Carl Skankel had gotten sick while making the film. So supposedly Franco stepped in to help finish it. We don't know if that's true or not, but it seems like it is because the next film, Carl would help Jess out with as well. And the reason this all matters is Wolfgang's company, Lisa Film, would eventually pay and pony up good money for Bloody Moon down the line. That's it. That's right. So let's not waste any more time. And now let's get closer to what we really want to talk about, which are the last couple movies we have here today. Here we go. Devil Hunter. Devil Hunter. Yes. Also known as Virgin Among the Cannibals. Uh, my favorite eaters of women. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, eaters of women, hunters of men, uh, hell hunter, hunt for the kidnappers, the men hunter, uh, Rio. This is a good one. Rio Savalier kidnapping now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a movie that. <laughs> well, there's oh my god, there's one called Mandingo Manhunter. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, this is a movie. This is a movie that is very famous because it made the uh, it made the this the video nasties list by that that hot bitch Margaret Whitehouse in <laughs> fucking wherever the UK. Um, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah, this is a movie that gets put alongside Bloody Moon because they're the two Franco movies of that. Uh, I'm gonna say they're very different movies. Yes. Devil Hunter, you could on paper is a piece of shit movie. <laughs> on paper, yes, absolutely, is easily one of the things that would drive most uh, Janice tattooed uh, dorks <laughs> crazy. Now, yep. I like I like its its uh, its faults. I think it's oh, kind of delicious. I, I don't, everything yeah. helps. The snake eating its fucking tail the whole time, and that snake is full. By the end, <laughs> yes, it is. Now, is it a little long? Probably. Could this movie have used probably more cutting? A hundred percent, because I think you would have had a really um, potent batch here. Because this movie is about oh, uh, well, let's see the plot. What's Wait, funny? Me, I cannot even recall the plot of this movie, and I've seen it two or three times. Let me just, I will read Jess Franco's quote about this movie, and then that actually covers plot. You'll like it. Then we can just talk about what we want. So Franco says to an interviewer, when they bring up Devil Hunter, says, have you seen Predator? This is the same as Devil Hunter, except that instead of a monster from another galaxy, it's a kind of Yeti. It works the same way, and then the development of the story is the same. I'm not saying they copied my movie because it's going too far to say this, but I always say that if I had not done my film, Predator would not exist. Initially, when the monster attacks people with these strange colors, it's exactly the same. And he's not wrong, which is weird. Well, he's not wrong. And what's funny is I had picked up on this before I ever knew that what was going on there. Like it is yeah. uh, the color thing, I don't know if it's exactly, but where it really comes down is when they're just walking through the jungle with guns, looking up in the trees for a monster that they can't see that is trying to kill them. Yeah, it's it's and it's not like these movies like, yeah, there were people in the jungle fighting monsters and shit like that. But someone for sure. And we're going to call him maybe Shane Black saw mm -hmm. the movie devil hunter and they definitely saw it because this movie had the best promo ever by being banned in the uk and making the infamous list that's how i mean most of those movies on that list most of them achieved their kind of notorious hallmark status because of that list so conservatism sometimes pretty good yeah sometimes it you know sometimes it helps some of the best art comes from oppression just yeah and this movie is definitely not the most artistically uh, satiated bunch of those movies uh, on that list, but it is a weird fucking time. And I don't think you're going to walk away from watching. You might come a little way, a little exhausted and maybe bored in spots, but you're going to walk away being like, 
Well, that was something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this is a Franco himself does the soundtrack and the sound design for this. And it's fucking awesome. It is so sick and crazy. Um, a little bit what I talked about with Cannibals with kind of the slow motion thing. He's really drilled in on this one where it's um, so many layers audio wise that's going on, especially in the quote unquote cannibal scenes. Um, and just when they're walking through the jungle, it's amazing. Like the combination of the music and just screams and bones crunching and shit, even if someone's not having their bones crunched, <laughs> but just like play throughout this movie. Um, I think they're great. The editing is nuts. Absolutely nuts. nuts Some of his most like beautiful. Well, sometimes it's beautiful. Sometimes that cross cutting is just like stop. Just end the cross cutting between these two events. Like at the very beginning, yeah. that yeah. goes on for too long. The delirium really takes place post that. I will argue that that opening is sloppy, and the sloppiness takes on a certain deranged unhingedness with yes. the rest of the movie where I think it works. I do think when I talk about slimming that movie down, I would uh, I was I had the snippers in that room. Oh my god, that opening would have had a very different uh running time he already cuts out so much uh like things that would normally be in a movie though like again we don't need to get into the plot it doesn't matter but this woman is famous and she ends up on an island right but and that's truly how the movie plays because she's just being famous and doing famous rich people stuff and then all of a sudden she's on the island because franco doesn't give a fuck to put in how she got there it doesn't matter and it's awesome <laughs> It's so good. And also the la the last one that we can move on truly. I'm ready to ready to keep going. But um the soundtrack and sound design and why it's so important here is this movie is uh packed out really intensely. Like John said, it can be pretty exhausting. Um, but there is one sequence that hits you like a ton of bricks, I think. Um, there's one torture sequence where someone's tied up where all of a sudden all that sound design and music just drops out completely. And it's really interesting and it hits really, really hard in a movie that is like pure spectacle, you know? Yeah. So it's, I don't know. It's just interesting. Like it really, I love when Franco does that amidst something like this, where he just reminds you, he's like, nah, you know, I know what I'm doing. Watch this. It feels way more indebted to uh, Fulci zombie flesh eaters than it does even the cannibal movies. I mean, they even have the lead actor from zombie in the movie. So it's definitely I think he probably liked those more. You know, maybe Cannibal Ferox. Like I feel like Ferox he maybe was down with, but yeah. Well, I mean, Fulci and Franco, I mean, Fulci maybe a little less zoom happy, but they do kind of take on a very delirious, mm -hmm. dreamy, like they're they're I, I would imagine, even though he probably never admitted it, Franco probably enjoyed a few of those Fulci. I honestly bet back and forth. I bet they, I bet they, both of them never admitting it, enjoyed each other's work back and forth. They would probably spit on each other in a room, but <laughs> I bet it, literally, like, literally, really they, they just start spitting until they get pulled apart. Yeah, but <laughs> they see each other's movies privately and be like, "Nice job." <laughs> yeah. Um. So here we go. Let's move on to the next one. Now we're this motherfucker here, down. That's right. Here's a fucking movie that is justified by its by its length. This is an hour and 45 minutes. This is more. Cut a second. 
yeah, more Franco than you think you need. Like you're like, yep. oh God, like that's a lot. Um, but no, it maybe is not enough. So this movie is called Sadomania, um, otherwise known as Sadomania Pleasure Inferno, um, just Pleasure Inferno, Prisoners of the Flesh, Hellhole Women, uh, Penal Camp Sadomania, Sex Prison. I think he's used that one before. Excuse you. You've done that before, Mr. Franco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> this movie, let's get right to it. Fucking rocks. This is Slaps the from the opening on slaps. Yeah. True. Yeah, this is uh <laughs> this is real cinema here. This is what we're talking about. This is the extension, the oh. perfect extension and the perfect capital like. He's capitalizing on all those women in prison movies with this movie because this is a women in prison movie. But in tone, this movie is closer to erotic rights of Frankenstein. Yes, yes, absolutely. And it's a uh, story's real simple. Couple newlyweds end up walking accidentally on the grounds of a women's prison. That's where we start. Just never, fuck. Don't go fuck in restricted areas is all no. you got to know. Because and the prison is called Hacienda Blanca, which I love. That should be our band name if we ever started one. <laughs> Hacienda, yeah. Well, I wonder, I wonder, seeing as that you said that, there was a band named White House, named after the bitch who banned all these movies. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. Ooh. Oh. Okay, shit. I mean, probably then. I didn't even think about that. So you mentioned it, right? Oh. Then. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. So possibly um, he likes to make little, you know, references in his names. But yeah, no, the, the, the plot of this movie literally doesn't matter because if you try to like come up with a plot for this, you're undoing the power of this movie. This is yes. a Italian comic strip opened up on a women in prison scenario and it's it's crazy and also what he does with these sadist ideas and we're not going to ruin a lot with this one because i think the i'll give one spoiler for the people who've seen the movie and they know we obviously are going to talk about this scene so let's do it right now just let's do it right now um skip and we'll keep letting you know you need to skip if you need to because if you don't know this scene first time i saw this scene jaw oh, he was on the floor <laughs> just like couldn't believe what i was seeing and not only is it just like shocking to the degree it is it works it and works it's, and it's some of his finest editing it's really good if uh, okay so when we tell you the scene you're gonna be like no these guys are losing it john's becoming will he's lost <laughs> oh this is truly amazing <laughs> filmmaking so so the plot of the movie involves this uh, governor who oversees the prison. There's always a governor with these prisons. And he has a wife. Now, the warden, like most of these movies, is procuring these women from the prison for the sexual dalliances of the, the governor and his wife. Now, normally, they're like 
putting them on a leash and putting salt in their champagne and just, you know, like whipping them and put, you know, violent shit. That's going to happen. But what's happening is this woman is procuring them to rape for the husband for the sole reason to get the husband hard. Yeah. To cure their attempt to cure his impotence is uh, rape. Yeah. Which is not even for just sexual pleasure. It's solely because the wife wants a baby. <laughs> yeah. And she's yep. not really getting off on this stuff. She's just doing what she can in a horrible way to get her husband an erection. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a great spin on this. Uh, it, it doesn't work. Or it's not working. Not so. working come up with an uh, an ultimate idea to cure his impotence. All right, skip right here and keep skipping if it sounds like we're still talking about this. So the scene, uh, she's trying to figure it out. So they're like, all right, I got it. So they get a girl from the prison. They tie her to a chair and you're like, oh boy. They bring out a snarling fucking like uh, German shepherd and you're like, oh God, it's going to like nip at her. It's because Jesus Christ. No. Uh, skip, 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 skip. Uh, the dog is there to have sex with her. <laughs> um, I guess, I don't know. Yeah, I don't to know. get the husband hard. To get the husband hard. Yes, the husband needs to watch this dog have sex with this woman. Uh, this is a, I'm wondering here too, when I saw this this time, I was like, wait, and I need to check the date still, but... I wonder if this is Franco uh, making fun of some of his Brazilian contemporaries, such as Jose Marica Marins, a.k.a. Coffin Joe. Thankfully, you really can't see the movies. I'm sad I did, but Coffin Joe made a couple pornos before his fam- famous movies, and both of them have actual dog sex in them. And so I wonder if Franco was uh, making fun of that kind of stuff with this. I don't know. It just came it's to my mind. Possible. Yeah. This is not. not like, Brazil. They probably, they probably, you know, met each other at least. So. Yeah. This is not Emmanuel in America or Caligula two from Joe D'Amato where a horse is getting whacked off. This is. Uh, <laughs> this is a dog. This is clearly not real. Like it's like what's funny about the scene is it's like. The woman is clearly moving the dog's hips side to side, not frontwards and forwards like a humping mechanism, but side to side. And this dog, this cute dog is just smiling, like looking <laughs> at the cast and crew like, hey, I love the attention. And, and uh, uh, the editing. With, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, go ahead. The, the editing does the work. The editing's actually pretty effective. Uh, oh, cutting around the, the obviously fake event happening. But what sells it, keep skipping, is that the dog is happening and the husband apparently is able to bust. Such a sight, which is truly actually out of um, philosophy in the bedroom. This is an actual Dassault scene. Because this scene's also happening to like Chopin music and like all these little cuts of like these like uh little figurette, you know, mechanical figurines. Monkey toys, like, like fucking mechanical monkey toys. Which adds to the like, horrifying, surreal nature of it. And it is horrifying. I mean, obviously that's not a pleasant scene, but it trans like it completely transcends that when you realize what he's doing with the 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 
governor and his wife because that once he finally comes she's like petting his head being like oh you did it you're a man you you're gonna show them you you got hard and came you're good you're a good and he's just kind of smiling sitting there it's the ultimate like uh jess fucking simp ass dude character and it's great it really is a culmination of his obsessions That's, um yeah and it's uh yeah, it's, it's scene of the year. and believe it or not the rest of the movie is also incredible. I just want to quick go through a couple things and then we'll move on if that's cool with you. Because we got to talk about Ajita Wilson, who plays the warden in this. She's fucking amazing. So she's a legend in her Man, own right. Go. You can look her up. We will return to her later. Uh, Jess and her were good buds. Good quote from Jess. He said, Ajita had that naivete like she belonged to a world less perverted than our own. And that's very true. Like she kind of had that presence, kind of like Laura Gemser, if we're talking about the Emmanuel, Black Emmanuel world. Um, where she seems of a different world, but is very fascinated by these twisted, perverse things. And she is amazing as the warden in this. Absolutely amazing. Um, and then also Franco himself plays a, a gay slave trader in this one named Lucas, who, uh, without spoiling it, let's just say he also gets his comeuppance mm-hmm. in this one. So Jess Similar to other times we've talked about how much he loves to watch himself be annihilated on screen. It happens here. And then uh last one, we can totally we can move on, but the the score by Daniel White and Jess Franco here is very much from uh Brubeck's take five, but appropriately uh twisted and morphed, I would say, to really make this movie sing. Yeah. But it's amazing. There's like this insane fight scene between two women where they're just silhouettes on this hill. Like That's it's gorgeous thing. art house filmmaking, but yeah. in this insanely perverse Desaad world. It's amazing. Yeah. So we've come a long way from 99 women at this point. And we have landed with this. Now, this is for a company called Lisa slash Metro Film. They're a Munich-based production company. Just made three movies with them. Sadomania is the first. Here's the second. And I'd like to remind you all, if this does get up today, that probably within two hours from now, there is a screening at the music box of this movie. (laughs) 7 p.m. 7 p.m. We'll see you there. Take ground paper tickets. This fucked us royally, but we have we're figuring it out an alternative. So again, sorry for anyone who had to deal with that. No one's sorrier than us. And actually, no one's gonna be sorrier than brown paper tickets. Okay. I'm now because I'm now a gun owner. <laughs> so the next there's not I'm just saying I two things have nothing to do with the other. So the movie is <laughs> the movie is Bloody Moon, or known in West Germany as the Saw of Death. De, der Sage de Tude. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, obviously, since we just said we are showing this movie, spoiler, we like it. Fucking love this movie because it rules is why it absolutely yeah. rules it's two in a row that just slay yeah these these are two just back-to-back slay slayers right here um off top okay so the plot of this movie is uh, a guy is a disfigured man uh is kind of in a weird incestuous relationship with his sister he's the heir to a big fortune that kind of he is yeah yeah kind of 
And they, they just are. <laughs> yeah, they just yeah. They just, well, okay. So <laughs> so they are before. We just don't see it. Right, right, right. So the movie opens with him having this affair with his sister and he goes to try and have real love not with his sister out in the real world by doing a revenge of the nerd style move where he uh pulls someone else's mask and basically impersonates another person to have sex with them uh she realizes it's not the person she thought she was so this mentally unwell man kills her and stabs her to death and it's horrific and a weird show blood for jess you're like wow that's gory i gotta say it's important if you haven't seen this movie and if you look at something like letterboxd the description they have for the film is actually full of shit and so much so that it even made me when we were talking about showing it remember that scene very different from what it actually is yes um, now i'm not here to be like no 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 the violence against women is different and not as bad <laughs> you know but the does way it, if you read it on letterbox it suggests this opens with a horrifying rape scene it does not it does not, it does it, not it, that plane he, it is yeah. hardly gets off the runway no he doesn't he yeah. he he does the revenge of the nerds thing which is awful obviously tricks this woman they're making out she realizes who it is he kills her that's what happens. It is not what is suggested on Letterboxd. Fix yeah, that, can, fools. You all can handle a little trickery. <laughs> a little uh, switcheroo. <laughs> God damn. Um, no, it's not good. It's just the description of it makes it seem like it's way more traumatizing and upset. Yeah, and for one really suggest, it's actually not <laughs> with this one, because that's not what he's doing here. He's playing, a, he's playing a slasher game, and he says, already, even though slashers aren't as huge and terrible as they would become he's already like ah slashes are boring watch this <laughs> yeah and that's kind of what i want to like talk about here because like the plot you don't need us to describe the plot for it it's pretty much the same as most of these movies but what he does with it is really incredible and really hallucinatory at times and like will said this is not 1982. This is not the crazy slasher year. This isn't the year that every fucking person's got a slasher movie coming out. At this point, I mean, what what have we had? We've had uh, we've had Black Christmas. We've had Halloween. Friday the Thirteenth. Right. The first Friday the Thirteenth has happened. Right. Just the first one. Which the burning is, is being made, but it's not out yet. Not out yet. Man's being made, but it's not out yet. A lot of things in production, but the first Friday the 13th, though being a slasher movie, is I think very indebted to the giallo genre. I think the first one, even the second one, really like contain a lot more of those elements because slasher had not been defined at this point. There's no real like textbook. You don't have people named Greg Graveyard being like the slasher movies. <laughs> Grand graveyard. God damn you. <laughs> you know, or like Sally Spooky <laughs> with their podcast. This is Greg Graveyard and Talia Tourniquet coming to you live from the graveyard. Yeah. This is not like horror fans and <laughs> slasher shit. This is a Sorry, that, just, that just got me. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see Gray Graveyard at the marathon. He'll be there. 
<laughs> so yeah, this is a there's no real fanfare for the slasher in like crazy numbers at this point, which I have a very interesting spit take on this because around the very same time of this, in fact, the movie tried to capitalize on this title. Someone like Dario Argento has made Tenebra. Now, in certain markets, they even tried to call this movie like Tenebra something or like Tenebra 2 or some shit like that. Um, and collectively, as a society, as critics, most people, and all you letterbox denizens, I'm talking to you, Tenebra is called a late giallo. Bloody Moon is called a slasher. And I would just like to take issue with the two words there because I think there's a there's a sort of a distinction of like Jess is not worthy of having his movie called a giallo. Whereas someone like Argento, who never made a goofy uh movie that would you know rile the ranks of like a a franco movie never has happened so he gets the he's a lovely giallo whereas franco's (laughs) a slasher and i think that that's just stupid and i i like this movie doesn't it it does carry on some of the things that are going to define the slasher genre a lot more and i don't think that that's him playing really into tropes I mean, the closest that we've had at this point is probably Sergio Martinez Torso. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and and but the movie is uh, in his mind, it's probably closer to a Giallo. It's probably closer to uh, his creamy films. You know, it's it, it, over time we have come to define this as some sort of like slasher ripoff that comes out during the heyday of it and i'd just like to say this movie is not that it's kind of ahead of that yeah absolutely yeah and it makes sense because even if jess did like if he did have a strong like somehow some strong hold on conventions of this all he would be doing is fucking those up anyway because it makes him bored to follow conventions so (laughs) yeah exactly yeah Yeah. this movie is uh you know, is a woman going crazy? Is there a killer? Who's the killer? Is it the crazy kid from the beginning? Is there something else going on? Without spoiling it, there are a lot of Francoisms going on throughout this movie. Oh, tons. Like tons. a lot. Like, I don't, I don't think Thrower finds them all. I mean, obviously, at that point, his brain's very quick trying to. Like, even says it, I love his review because he's like, I have to turn off any respect that anyone has for me for being an actual cultural critic and historian. Cause I love this movie too much to speak about it in any other way than glowing. <laughs> this is a movie that really you can put on anytime you want. And it just, it works. I mean, I also it's thought like I was going to skip this delirium. Like, you know, like this watching this movie truly, if you stick with it puts you in such an insane mindset. Yeah. It's almost more alien than fucking sex is crazy because this universe doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, this is not, this is truly an alternate timeline of like horror movies. Like, could they have gone this direction? And oh I, oh, I know. I mean, this movie has a lot of things you can laugh at, but this is not a let's, you know, take a bunch of edibles and just laugh at how stupid this movie is. I, I think Franco is the first one to say, I'm yeah. happy. It's supposed to be funny. There's there, 
comedic sequences and even within the horrific ones, we won't ruin them for those who haven't seen it, but there are crazy jokes that thrower appropriately highlights. Someone like Fulci is only the person who normally would make one of the best jokes in this movie. Oh boy. I can't wait to see the audience tonight for that scene. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, he, this is a movie that weirdly kind of walks a comedy. I'm not going to say parody rope, but it, it, there's, um, how do I put this? I mean, it's an amalgam of many things Mm -hmm. and in so much as sadomania and sex is crazy is like, there's a lot of things happening under the surface of this movie. And maybe it's less apparent because um, he, he just delivered a, a, a real piece of quality with this movie, but you know, it's, it's bizarre. It's strange. The music's wild. Um, oh, our- and one of my favorite things, apparently Pink Floyd was supposed to do this score originally. And I agree with thrower here. Thank God that didn't happen. Cause the like German Euro pop shit is so much cooler than whatever. Pink Floyd would have come up with for this. They wouldn't have come up with shake your baby, shake, shake, nope. shake, 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 shake your baby, which is a silly <laughs> scene. But the more you see it, that scene, ta- you like make for that scene and it takes on this kind of like awe inspiring power. I'm not even joking. I love that. Scene. I love it's, that. Scene. Um, and it's got to be said too, that even though Franco isn't one who's much for gore, Similar to what he did with the Goring Cannibals here, he's like, well, if I have to do it, let's do something interesting at least. And he really does. He really yeah. does. None of it is wasted. The Eugenie clamps come back. Love seeing those clamps come back. I'm uh, sure it's exactly the same ones, too. They, yeah, they kind of look that. They really <laughs> do look the same. He so never, he wasn't the one to buy a prop twice. So, no, no, those are kicking around. <laughs> he, he'd been putting Lena in that for years, and he was like, <laughs> true so um yeah i'm trying to think where else i really want to go with this oh well with the music i mean shout out to uh our third trailer we did for highs and lows which uses or second maybe which utilizes yeah yeah who does the theme for this yep so you know (laughs) Just had to point that out. But yes, and also your, reminding you. Your pleasure. It really yeah, is. Reminding you all to hopefully hear this and you probably check your time because it's probably an hour. Yeah. More than likely it's the day after, but it could be an hour before the screening starts. So <laughs> maybe I'll bring the computer tonight and we'll I'll just finish it in the theater. <laughs> um all right. So let's finish up here because we're trying to hit a record here and get this shit out of the way. Um, last film we're going to talk about today is truly another mix of a lot of different shit <laughs> that you're like, excuse me, how are you putting this all together? Yep. That is the film Linda, the last of his Lisa productions, yep. uh, also known as the naked super witches of the Rio Amore. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh the na- the nymphomaniac's orgy. Um, what else we got here? Linda the sex kitten. <laughs> yeah, not really seem to have a lot to do with what this movie is, especially the naked super witches of the Rio Amore is wild, but yeah, I did I missed the super witches. <laughs> didn't see them. What I did see is our favorite sex gas. <laughs> 
That's right. The sex gas returns. And I got to say, I think this movie is, uh, I mean, it's amazing on a lot of levels, but it's interesting if you're following us with the journey and you're watching these movies because the last episode we were and, and he clearly uh, figured his shit out. I don't know. If was... Here, I'll go back downstairs. I'm not cutting any of this. Going back downstairs. Okay. Coming back downstairs. <laughs> this is why you have to give us money. It's five bucks a month. You get an extra episode. We'll respond to emails. We'll send you stuff if you ask for it nicely in a coded way. All Just... right, am I back? You're yeah. You're 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 back. Okay. Uh, All right. So what I was saying, Franco in the last episode was very depressed, going through a lot, terrible time in life. Um, he seems to have figured it out. And why it's so relevant here is because we talked a lot about Je Brûle de Partout, um, which is a brutally sad movie about the reality of sex trafficking. This movie, now that Franco's feeling better, is kind of the flip where it's almost a sex trafficking comedy. <laughs> Just a fun romp through being kidnapped by a bunch of traffickers and yep. made to have sex in front of people at a weird nightclub in a fish tank. <laughs> yep. And there's the, uh, the, the brothel owner in this played by Raquel Evans. Who's amazing. Um, her name's Sheila. She is such a powerhouse in this movie. We also get an amazing uh, lesbian duo who are played by real life sisters, Marie Carmen Segura and Teodora Segura. And everyone, this is another one, John's favorite thing when I say it, where everyone involved in this is clearly having the best fucking time. <laughs> you know, I'm right on this one, though. Yeah, this I know is, you're right. Other, also, that most people are probably having a good time making the movies that they're making. But yeah, yeah. that is not true. Go on. I know your your description stays. Yes, it's they're having a blast. These people are having fun. Yeah, yeah. No, you go ahead. No, I'm looking at my phone now. I'm letting you. <laughs> no, I. Yeah, I mean, this is. Uh, well, let's just say they could have called this movie "Blame It on Rio." That's true. But it's, a, it's one of the weird balances, I think, anyway, where I think Franco and friends nail something that's hard to do doing a comedy with this kind of uh, subject matter that actually does work. It is funny. It also has um, some really, really, uh, really amazing sequences um, throughout it that string the, you know, the comedy together. And thankfully this is not the kind of comedy we've talked about Oh, where it's like Celestine, you know, the maid or something like that. This is not um, broad comedy like that. This is very much written uh, in a great way. <laughs> and I think it lands. You get a lot of you get a lot of your Francoisms. You get some laughs along the way and some gorgeous fucking sequences with just beautiful people. Everyone's so pretty. Oh, yeah. Everyone's good looking. A lot of dry ice. <laughs> yeah. It's a smoky one. It's a smoky one. Yeah. I mean, I, I this is kind of one of those ones that like I like, but I, I don't it it's it's it doesn't strike me like the other several we've talked about, but it is interesting because how many movies are like uh you know, basically are what's the other movie that the motherfucker did Blue Lagoon did? What's that what's that fucking asshole's name? I can't remember anything right now. 
Robert Ke- Kaiser, Kleiser. Oh, Randall Kleiser. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear summer lovers. That's it. Yes, yeah. It's kind of like that, except much better. <laughs> oh, really? You don't think so? I, I love Summer Lovers. I think. Okay. I'm actually a huge fan of that movie. I think that oh, movie is. That makes me. I've got to rewatch them. I've always kind of thought of it as as like pretty good, but I didn't. I didn't ever go back. So now no, I will give it. Give it another shot. It's 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 a it's a pretty good movie. Okay. Better than Blue Lagoon. It's better than Return. Well, Blue Lagoon's Blue. a shit movie. So yeah, better than <laughs> Return. To Blue Lagoon. Better than Greece. God, what a weird! He had like he did like Flight of the Navigator. Okay, we're not gonna go in. <laughs> anyway, the movie kind of has that vibe. It's just got this kind of like '80s uh, youth on vacation vibe, but one of them gets caught up in sex trafficking. So you know, yeah, yeah, like uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a good time. I'd say definitely a good time at the Franco Theater, but um, unless you're already on the train, wouldn't pop it on. Wouldn't pop it on. No, but hey, we gave you some real good ones to think about at the end here. And we also. uh, Oh, I lost my. Well, I lost what I was going to say at the end of this, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, Next time when we come back, we are going to be kicking things off with uh, Franco returning to the film noir uh, ish area with a movie called Pickup Girls. Um, that right. I'm very excited to talk about, and I am sure John is not. So that'll be a fun way to start the episode. Less excited to the one we're going to talk about after. After that one, Lake of the Virgins. Yeah, a little yeah. less excited about that one, but I'm pretty damn excited to talk about Makumba Sexual. Yes. So we got a lot of good shit coming in the next one, and just a teaser for y'all. Um, that one will be uh, hopefully coming to a theater soon. I think we, uh, you know, it might be combined with something else that one of our friends who has sp- is sponsoring us for things is working on. So that one might be a big affair. We'll see. But yeah, uh, we shall see. But we will. We're taking a month off of Franco. Yep, and it'll okay. be of everyone's benefit because we're going to get more. We're only going to come back more fired up than ever. I think taking this break. Um, yeah, yeah, we've watched a lot, so I think it's time to. Maybe watch we want to give him room. We also want to give him room to excite us again. Not that he doesn't, obviously. We were freaking out about a lot of these today, but I think it will really help us not miss anything in the back half of the career. Taking this little break. Yeah. So we'll have a we'll have plenty of episodes coming up. We'll have well, you Patreon members will get your bonus episodes. But yeah, we're gonna we're taking we're going a little mainstream this month. But believe me, in the way. But we're gonna. But we'll do it our special way. I mean, should we just tell them what the first thing is? Yeah, tell. We, them. we just want to tell them the movies. We're gonna we're gonna go into the world of gothic sex films. So we're doing uh, hardcore uh, horror films. Um, it'll be probably a multiple part thing eventually. But we're gonna start off with uh, five. Yeah, five movies. Um, We've selected 10 or so that we think is a good, uh, you know, cross section of the much bigger than you would expect subgenre that that is um, to kind of give you a a little enticing look into that world. So that'll be that'll be coming the end of this week. Yeah. Certain filmmakers you might know, like Andrea Bianchi, 
Mm-hmm. Roger Watkins. Roger Watkins. <laughs> Maybe they're going to pop up Roberta Finkel. <laughs> so get, yeah. And get, to, and get to, and I don't even know if John's watched it yet, and I don't want his answer, but you're going to get John's reaction to one of my favorite, really intense, uh, adult horror-ish movies that we'll be talking about in that first episode and i'm pretty pumped for it we'll see we'll see what happens it's a good one <laughs> is it okay i won't ask you what it is but only one of these i did not the one you haven't seen. Yeah. yeah it's the one i probably didn't have the best time with but well it's tough it's it's horrifying i would uh-huh. say so yeah. uh-huh yeah, so, <laughs> and then if you want less perversion, we'll have some other spooky things uh, coming up in different different areas of the world just to kind of get us in the zone. Yep. And uh, there will be some that will not involve sex. So sure, we'll talk about some things that don't have incest and don't have, well, whatever other perversions. We're going to just talk about some good old clean classic horror shit. Gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, all we'll right. see you all maybe tonight, <laughs> or we'll, we'll see you in a month. <laughs> or we saw, or we saw you tonight already, and you looked great. To this, you you all looked so good. Thank you so much. We had to turn away three thousand people. <laughs> yeah, but we appreciate you making the drive. So yeah, fingers crossed. Ticketing works. And we'll, uh, we sold one while we were recording this, so we're doing good. Great. All right. Yeah. We're, what are we at? Probably like 10 left. 12. Something like that. There's not much. Yeah. All right. Well, get there tonight. There will be 10 reserved. Get there and hand out the money. All right. I'll try to get this done now. So that, that message means something. Okay. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. See you next time, friend. Bye. I've always been in love with you.